Well, how are you guys doing? It's been a whirlwind of a December and starting of a January, isn't it? Um, last, <clears throat> last week, and Sandy's driving back up. I was able to do some work on, in between naps and in and out. And I, I, I just want to thank you for your prayers because I, there's something going on inside me that's very unusual. It's in all the busyness, I just don't feel as weary or tired or drained. I, I feel like God is doing something inside me to, to strengthen me and to keep me going when things are really overwhelming in a lot of ways. So thank you for your prayers on that. I, but driving back up and thinking this week, I, thought, God, I, I, just, I just need to focus. It's hard to focus when everything is just swirling around you. And that's what prayer does. It, and that's what silence does. And so David would invite us to be still before the Lord because if you're not still, you won't be able to hear him. So thinking, thinking about uh, this sermon and thinking about the series of sermons, I just wanted to share with you what's on my heart and to share with you what's coming up. Um, I'm going to pause, and I'll give you the reason why. We're not going to jump right back into the missionary work of Paul yet. We'll get there in a couple of months. But I feel like God is leading me to share some things and, and a series of things. And it has to do with emotions and, and, the, and the work of God that, that he wants you to enjoy or know about. And so there's a series that I'm doing, and, and let me tell you why I'm doing it. Uh, my, my prompting for this is, is to take kind of a um, golden corral buffet and have all these things that are happening to us and, and, and combine them all together. And that's where I, I'm thinking to get the bigger picture. Do you remember just last month we were singing the song Joy to the World? And how quickly we can move off of Christmas and into the busyness of life. And, and Sandy caught me today. I, I said, no, Sandy, um, in the last week have you thought about Christmas? Have you thought about the meaning of Christmas this week? And Sandy says, well, yeah. I was taking down all the Christmas tree ornaments. Uh, well, that doesn't count. But remember, just go back. And, and it hasn't been that long, just the, the emotions that you felt when we sang Silent Night. That was a beautiful night. It was a quiet night when we were all gathered together. And there was a peace about that. But how quickly that peace and those emotions move off when you start thinking about other things. Johnny... And you guys, I mean, today, the, the emotions of happiness for Johnny, just, and, and let me tell you, let me tell you, Johnny, on the couch, we were sitting there, he just could not stop smiling. He was so excited about following Christ and joining the team. We talked about the baseball team. He put on the Orioles shirt, and, and he, I said, we're going to put on this shirt, and so you're part of the team. You're not a giant. You're not a, you know, whatever. So he's happy today. But his emotions will leave in, in time, and he'll go back into the normal thing. At the funeral, I was very much aware of the fact that uh, emotionally, we're all over the map. And you have emotions of joy and emotions of sadness. Uh, my nephew talked about um, my brother Wayne and, and the joy that he had uh, and, and he wanted to emphasize how positive, the spirit of positiveness for Wayne, he's on the right, he was quadriplegic after a car wreck. 
And after 13 years, God had a severe mercy and kindness, but he changed his spirit. And Wayne did have, came to have a loving spirit. He didn't have that before. It was brand new. All things pass away, but it sustained his relationship with his wife. And Paulette, when uh, I was with her the week before, she grabbed his toe and rubbed it lovingly and said, my God, how I love this man. There's something about that, that closeness that moves you, moves me. And then the Lord gave me this. This morning I was thinking about how beautiful God has done to put the confectional confection sugar on all these trees and bushes. But do you notice that passage in Job? It says, have you entered into the storehouses of the snow? Why does God send snow? Well, without the meteorological reasons, let me just share that, that there's a softening, a quietness with snow. And that's what he says. Um, have you seen the storehouses of the hail for which I reserve for times of trouble? Because in times of trouble, you need that stillness of snow. And Isaiah said, though your sins would be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And in the days of war and trouble, you need to know there's peace on earth somewhere. And the snow just reflects that symbol that there's a calm. Okay, this will wash away. There's something about those emotions. And so, for you, I, I, you've had a lot of emotions this week. I did too. I got lots of cards. Uh, if only I could wish away for every pain, for every hardship, every challenge that you're facing. It's hard to know what to say at times like this. It is hard to know. But I kept getting sympathy cards and thank you for those and with sympathy. And at the same time, uh, I, I started getting birthday cards, and, and I get birthday cards saying, you know, celebrate your birthday. And I thought, I don't know if they're sending me cards as having sympathy that I just turned 70. <laughs> but I didn't know which. So I had all these emotions. And so I'm just saying that when we get to emotions, and, and this is just impressing on me, let me just share what happened at Urbana. At Urbana, in between these two funerals, I went to a missions conference. And this also set me into an emotional, not just a conundrum, so to speak. At the Missions Urbana Missions Conference, there were 5,000 college students who were thinking about missions. Now, this is the largest missions group in, in the world. I, I've gone to it three times. And because of that, I went to Mexico and I went to Japan. But I want you to notice something, something that I noticed, two things that, again, this is part of the message. That in this, in this group of 5,000 people, mostly collegiate age, they're engineers, doctors, uh, business people, uh, colleges, seminaries, all, people were gathered together. <clears throat> but the difference this time around that I felt is like, Either, boy, I'm, I'm getting older, I don't fit in there. But more than that, there was not a single Christian hymn sung at this meeting. Not one. It was not an American conference. This was an international conference. We sang in Tagalog. We sang in Chinese. We sang in Korean. We sang in African. Djibouti. We sang in... Uh, <clears throat> different languages, and the speakers were 
missionaries because what you may not be aware of, that America historically has been a sending nation for missions. It is no longer the sending nation. And the American, the spirit of, the Holy Spirit has shifted missions away from America down to Africa and Southern Hemisphere, and they are sending missionaries to us. And therefore, that missions conference was really different because it wasn't white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant, gray-haired old men up there teaching. You got to be careful with gray-haired men. You can't believe everything they say. But it made me aware, as I went through this, a couple of things, <clears throat> just to report about Urbana, that if you've never heard the name Jesus and you don't understand what this is, in a native tribe, when I was in Colombia, South America, I went to the Guambianos and I talked about finding this missionary, met some tribal Guambianos, and I said, do you know who uh, this missionary was? And Yeah, they knew who he was. I said, well, do you know about Jesus Christ? They said, yeah, we've heard of him. We've, no, they said, we've heard of that. That's a new soap detergent campaign they're doing, isn't it? They really had never heard the name of Christ. They had no understanding. And that's what you may not know, that there are 1,600 tribes around the world who will never have the emotions of worship, never have the emotions of forgiveness. There are 1,600. Well, let me go on. By 2050, here's a test for you. I'm a teacher, so I give a test. In 2050... What language will be spoken by more people in the world than any other language? What do you think? Chinese, English, French, or Spanish? How many say Spanish? Spanish here, Spanish here. What else? And not Spanish. Second guess? And not Chinese. And not English. Bonjour. French, I was stunned to find out that the West African countries are populating so fast with China's one-child policy, their population is going down so fast and generations have been lost while the West Africans, all the French Guiana and French, all the French-speaking Africans are just populating like crazy. So in 27 years, you'll hear that. And I thought... I couldn't believe it. So I actually took a picture of this group. It may be the most spoken language in the world, more than English or Mandarin. That was amazing. So our, our world is shifting. And so I met with some people at Urbana, and so I'll cut this one short. But here's the other thing that stood out to me. Besides it being international, and we're trying to focus ethnocentrically, we're... we're we're becoming myopic in, in America. We're thinking about America first. God thinks God is thinking the nations first. And yet, as I talked and had great times with these folks, uh, around this ministry here in America, the two themes, I went to an university, university booth, and I asked the publishers, what books are people buying? What, what's, what's the... Trends. What do you see happening in this generation? And you know, and it, it floored me. He said the two themes that the books are just flying off the shelves: the issue of mental health and the issue of social justice. And this generation is interested in being relevant to their culture, having a message that says 
it's not just about the old traditions. It's about being real and genuine life on life. Well, those themes, anxiety, books on depression, things about shootings because of kids getting guns and going off, and all these things, again, is a part of this emotional awareness that, boy, we just, we're not ready for that. We're not equipped for that. Oh, you know this song. You may sing it with me sometimes. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. We sing it all the time in our music. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. And if Bublé gets away with singing dragonflies have empathy and butterflies have fun, and you have this emotional sense of there's empathy in creation, but when it comes to people having empathy with people, boy, we really have trouble with this one. And so when you talk about all these things coming together, whether it's birthday and sympathy and funerals and tension and darkness and drug use and people are abandoned, let me tell you something. God wants to restore emotional health. And this is the theme as we go into the next two months. I want you to understand, one, knowledge of God and the knowledge of who we are. And these themes will be very practical coming right into it because when you start talking about emotions, the researchers say that if you are a healthy person, if you are a mature person, if you are a secure person and that you know how to have relationships, you have two things going on for you that most people don't have. One is this ability to have mutual empathy that you enter into somebody's world, not to fix it, not to advise it, but just to be present with that. And my brother Wayne, again, he's quadriplegic. He can't do good works. He can't go to the prisons. He can't feed the poor. He can't, he can't even, he can't lift a finger. He couldn't lift a finger. Shift to past tense. But Wayne could be. And it's the presence of Wayne and this connection emotionally with people. Same for Bob. Even in, even in his last days, when we started singing, I love to tell you the story, Bob came out. It's the being part with people. What's it like to be with you? What's it like to be emotionally with you? To be thinking with you, to be in discussion with you, to make decisions together, to think about the longings of the heart. All these things are wrapped up in the idea that you have a mutual empathy, one, but two, you have this ability, this mutual empowering, that you become stronger because of your friendships. Oh, by the way, you know what the word welcome means? Welcome to first... Uh, for uh, Testament Baptist, the word welcome is the Jewish word shalom, peace. And it means that when you come into my house, I am made well because you come. Welcome. Your coming makes me well. And that's that mutual empowerment that you bring a gift and you bring, some, you bring yourself and who you are really matters. It really matters because... <sighs> Because you're human, made in the image of God. And so 
there are people that have infected me, influenced me. Larry Crabb is one. And thinking about what he says about understanding people. And thinking about in order to relate and to minister or to share to friends and family, we need to understand believers and non-believers, anybody that has breath, you relate to people in such a way. And here are the passages. I, I just wanted to say that, the, that what I wanted to focus on is, is my job as a pastor is to equip you to do the work of service. And listen to Paul. To equip his people for works of service. Read relationships. So that the body of Christ may be built up, empowered, until we all reach a unity of the faith, a togetherness and understanding, and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of Christ. And that means that, that the, the, the place of the church, the purpose of the church is for you to come in that, that you don't have it together. You will never have it together but you're with people who are struggling, moving in the same direction to know the grace of God that says it's really okay. Because what you're struggling with now is not what you were struggling with five or ten years ago. But you need a, peace, need a place and you need a people that will struggle with you. And then he goes on to say that if you have that maturity, that you won't be tossed by, no longer as infants, tossed back and forth emotionally, impulsively, reacting instead of responding. And you're blown here and there by every advertisement or political campaign or every wind of teaching by the cunning and the craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. And we know that's out there. Instead, instead for you and me, we speak truth. We speak it emotionally in love. And your ability to connect with people so that you grow, mutually grow, and respect everyone, that you give dignity and you give honor and you, you give understanding, you give of yourself because something's happening in you, not just emotionally, but all of you, so that you can join the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, you and me, joined and held together by every supporting ligament. There's that mutual part. It grows, that's the empowerment part, and it builds itself up in a community so that there is a healthy place for teenagers who are saying, what kind of gender do I have? I'm confused about why they don't like me. And then, well, I won't go there, I'm just thinking of a number of people that are just struggling. But everyone has a part, everyone has their relationships. And so my heart, to take from Paul, it says the goal of our instruction, the goal of this command, is to make you a better lover. That's what the purpose is. Is that you grow in your ability to love from a pure heart. Genuinely pure. That I move towards you with your interests in mind at my expense. I'm genuinely interested in you. It will cost me I have to watch myself, but I'm thinking about other people, not just about me. That's the pure heart. Otherwise, I move towards you with my interests in mind at your expense. And that's relational sin. You begin using people. But Paul said, if you have a clear conscience, a good conscience, and a sincere faith that's genuine, you will love well. And that's the point that Jesus 
grew as I talked to Johnny. Uh, Jesus, as a young boy, would grow in wisdom and in stature. But he would not only grow in his relationship with the Father, it says he would grow in grace this way, of course, but he would grow relationally this way in favor with a man. And therefore, you can't be a privatized Christian. You can't have an introverted faith and not express that faith in some way. And it always comes out, it always comes out in these relationships. And Jesus knew that. And he didn't trust what he saw in man. He had to replace what was in man with a restored heart. And that's what he does. And for us who follow Christ and take that word seriously, we understand that the Bible, notice what it says, you know the first part, that all Scripture is inspired by God, and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for training, for correction and training, rebuke, but for training in righteousness to be right, to be right in right relationships, so that, notice the following verse, that every servant of God, everyone who's relating the gospel of Christ, would be thoroughly adequately equipped to love well for every good work. For whoever it is, you matter because you are created in the image of God, as, as Allison read. So let me just springboard off a little bit and then cut it off real short and you're going to throw a shoe at me because you want more. That's okay. So let's start with these things of emotions. What are emotions? Let me tell you, this is a difficult, complex, very sophisticated question. But like many people, they say, well, I don't need to deal with emotions. I don't want to deal with emotions. And so you get mixed signals on this. I want to feel good, but I don't want to feel good. And I think, you know, Michael Buble and James Brown, I feel good. That's what worship is. Worship is an emotional encounter with God where you end up worshiping and feeling good. Feelings are very much part of what we're doing here. And yet, it's the confusing part because if you're in a Baptist church like this, people don't feel free to share their emotions. Raise your hand if you want to praise God. Not, not us. We have difficulty with emotions. The word emotion, E, comes out of the Latin EX, X away from, from, and motion. Well, you know what that is movement. Movement. And emotions, that's a simple definition that emotions are that which moves you, inspires you. And so something, if you're sitting on the couch and you get moved, you may be moved to tears. Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw pain. Your people are, when you're with death and you're at a funeral and you go in and somebody starts to cry, all of a sudden your emotions start to resonate and you imitate and you you respond. All of a sudden, if you're at an Urbana conference, all of a sudden this joy, this excitement, you start to resonate. If you're, in a, if you're in a bowling league and you get a strike, another guy, if you're in a sports, it, there's something about being in a community that will stimulate you. It will move you. And here's my definition. 
Learn this well. Emotions are signals of the soul. They're signals of the soul. If you're not aware of those signals, you're not aware of your soul. And we are not aware because we don't want to be aware. So we cut off our emotions. It's a really confusing thing. But just like you turn the key on to a service engine soon, because that signal goes to what's on the reality underneath the hood. Signals are the soul that the Spirit of God uses to teach you what's going on inside your own heart. And yet if you turn off the engine, you don't see any signals because you're not moving or responding. Instead, instead of we end up being emotional and react and impulsively, and we have no idea. We feel like we're out of control. And that's the problem. One of the problems with emotions, they just seem to be irrational. Why do you feel that way? I don't know why you feel. You don't understand me. Well, you, on and on and on it goes. And so when you get into relational conflict, like two porcupines in the dead of winter, you know, you get close, ow, 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 get up. So we don't like the pain. We don't, we don't understand this very well. Do, do you? I don't. And let me tell you, just real briefly, I grew up in a home, for those of you who don't know, my father committed suicide. And from that point on, the way my family dealt with pain was to shut down. We never talked anything about emotions. We didn't allow it. We didn't know what to do with it. And therefore, my growing up years, I had trouble, still do have trouble, coming to a funeral and crying. When I found out Wayne, Sandy and I were having dinner, and right in the middle of dinner, I got the phone call that they took him off life support, and 58 minutes later, he was gone. And so was my appetite, so was everything that was swirling around me, and all of a sudden, I just begin to cry, and I, you hold it back because you're. Well, you don't do this every day, and so whether it's anger, or whether it's depression, you're not very well versed and fluent in how you work through and communicate emotions. The emotions, then. You're left wondering, what do I do with these things? I don't know what to do with these things. But here's the signal of the soul saying, God is at work trying to mature you to be emotionally, not just intelligent, like Goldman says. We don't want just emotional intelligence. We want emotional maturity. What to do with our emotions. Because smart people make dumb mistakes, right? And some people have emotions, but they're not wisely directing them. So, so what, the question, why do we deal with these emotions? Let me give you two reasons. One, by learning to bring our emotions to the Lord, that the Holy Spirit's tapping you when you have emotions, you can learn to use those very emotions as a catalyst, as a springboard to pray. Because whether or not you know this, the Lord knows your emotions. Listen to David in Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he hears my, my voice and my supplication. He has inclined his ear to me. Therefore I shall call upon him as long as I live. And the cords of death encompassed me and the terrors of Sheol came upon me. And I found distress and sorrow. And then I called upon the name of the Lord. David took his emotions to the Lord. What do you do with your emotions? Do you use them as a point of prayer? 
And there's something about this thing of soul talk that you find in Psalms. David would tell himself in his own spirit, my soul, why are you disturbed? Why are you downcast? Trust in the Lord. So, so David was very much emotionally mature because he would take his emotions and direct them back to God. <clears throat> and therefore, we too can use our emotions for self-reflection and growth, for mutual empathy and empowering others, as we are aware of and grow in this, that we can become gracious and loving. Listen, listen, love, love. What do you do with worry? Have no anxiety. Are you kidding me, Paul? Have no anxiety about anything? What planet did you come from? Have no anxiety about anything but in everything by prayer and supplications. And see, that's something we don't do naturally. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. For you to be honest before God and say, God, I'm scared to death. My faith is shaken like a weeping willow in a 90-mile-an-hour wind. I am afraid. We don't talk that way. We don't pray that way. But the Lord sees that. He knows that. So... We, we, we like our positive emotions, but these negative things really get on our nerves. And so we don't know how to deal with that. Joy, okay. Celebration, okay. Even enjoyment that you've achieved something, ah, did a good job. That's a, I can't be careful, that's a pride thing. But you enjoy doing things well. But the problem is we struggle. And so let me just give you the second thing. By learning emotional maturity, spiritually uh, gaining our security in Christ that you can bring your heart and pour it out at all times. When you lose your loved one, those all times become more frequent. And you pour your heart out and you meet Christ in your tears. And Christ captures those tears. And therefore... As long as you have the Lord touching you, helping you, maturing you, leading you, listening to you, what you have is this. What Paul says, that the purpose of those emotions are to help you mature, to become more empathic. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions. Did you get that? Do you believe that? Whatever your affliction, whatever struggle you're going through now, God understands. He knows what you're going through. But he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we, what's the purpose? Notice that purpose. So that we can comfort others. Those in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves receive by God. You see, emotions are not just a problem to be ignored, it's the very vehicle that God says, okay, I'm going to look under your hood. Here's your signal. What's going on? And as you comfort, God says, it's all right. I know what you're going through. Well, let me close. The books that I'm getting from this, I read at the Urbana Conference, is one by David Lamb. And David Lamb wrote this book, and let me just summarize real briefly. What he said was this. The heart is connected with grief and joy. The nose with anger, the womb and the bowels with compassion. Emotions are not to be stifled or merely spoken about. They need to be expressed with our whole body. 
we yell and weep and we dance and sing and we serve and love. And therefore, as we look at these emotions as we, as we go in the next year, I want to equip you with a language, with a freedom, with a grace that says, you're messed up. <laughs> and he isn't. And God is going to be right there with you all the way through, whatever we go through. So that our response and our emotions really leads us back into that worship so that we learn how to handle our emotions the way Jesus Christ did. So that our worship is good, our honoring relationships are good, and that your relationship with Christ is empowered and grows in grace, increasing in wisdom, increasing in relationships. I want that for you. I want that for me. Don't you want that? Yeah. You do. We all do. We're not that good at this stuff. So we would confess to you, we're, we're a bunch of sinners still trying to figure out how to follow the Master. So if you're struggling, come on and join us. Uh, join the whole group of us, because we're a big tribe, bigger than the Simons. <laughs> well, with that, the next several weeks you'll hear different sermons about this thing of emotional maturity and other things that will help you improve your relationships. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, sometimes our emotions are too hot to handle and we don't know what to do with them. But Lord, we turn to you and say, Father, we just need your wisdom. Build your church that you love so that she emotionally turns to you and that we would emotionally turn to each other in a way that's not syrupy or plastic, or just fake. Make us real people. For your honor and your glory, we pray, and for our growth in this area. In Jesus' name, amen.